There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast. I'm Alison Perry and you're listening to episode 32. Today's guest is Kira Atwell, mum of two and author of brilliant family recipe book, My Fussy Eater, which is packed with brilliant, easy things to make, things that your kids will probably love, but also you will too. Now, I'm not great in the kitchen. I'm quite a lazy cook at the best of times, but leafing through Kira's book, there are so many things that I fancy making and they're all things that look pretty easy too. As well as the book, Kira is founder of one of the biggest family food blogs in the UK, My Fussy Eater, and she's got a great app too, which has got loads of recipes on there that are quick and easy to access when you're in the kitchen. So I popped over to Kira's house and she made me some amazing raspberry chia crumble squares and we chatted about just how fussy her kids are or were and how she's encouraged them to try new food over the years. Kira also talks about the psychology of feeding your kids and striking that balance between those days when you want to make an effort in the kitchen versus those days when you whack some frozen food in the oven. Uh, Her book, My Fussy Eater, is available now to buy in bookshops and online. I'll pop a link in the show notes for you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Kira, to the podcast. You sound very shy all of a sudden. We're in your kitchen and we have been drinking tea and eating some amazing... What was it you just made for us? Raspberry chia jam crumble squares. Which was just amazing. I'm not just saying that. I mean, I kind of probably would say it was amazing regardless, but it really was. <laughs> um, but you've been really chatty and all of a sudden I put the mic on I and know, you're like... but it's like, oh, is it on? <laughs> it's just us chatting. No one's listening. Um, so Kira, you're a mum of two. You've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're the author of the book My Fussy Eater, which is a family recipe book. And I've just been leafing through it, um, and it's amazing. It's Thank like you. properly. I mean, okay, hands up. I am one of those people who tends to do the easy option when I'm feeding my seven-year-old and she is a fussy eater um and I do probably turn to Captain Birdseye more, more <laughs> often than wrong with that. <laughs> more often than I should um and I do do I fall into that horrible trap of feeding her what she wants mm. rather than 
facing the wrath of, you know, I'm not eating that, chucking What's it on that? the floor. Yeah. Um, which I know, I, I know is terrible. But le- leafing through your book, there are things here that I think, do you know what? That looks easy. And I do wonder whether she, my seven-year-old, would eat that. She probably would. So that's an achievement. Well You'll done. Have to let me know. Tell me. <laughs> so tell me about... Um, so you I started off doing your blog. and um, What inspired you to start the blog? So it was Aoife. Because at the time, she was a really, a really, really fussy eater. Um, I kind of like the backstory to it, which people are always surprised to hear, that... I've never really been into food and cooking. It was just never a big thing for me. Really? Yeah. You strike me as somebody who has always no. been the kind of person who will just like whip up some no. brownies or no. some muffins. So I cooked maybe a little bit as a teenager. Nothing big, you know, like spaghetti or like stuff like that. Yeah. Went to college, which is like college in Ireland, is like uni. Okay. And lived, had this classic student diet pasta pot noodle dalmio uh pot noodles bread a lot of bread bread toast it's cheap though isn't it so cheap and like i remember like uh one of my still really good friends now emer we if we were feeling a bit flush if we had like an extra couple of pounds we're going shopping we'd buy minced beef we'd make spaghetti bolognese and that was like Pushing the boat yeah, out. Yeah, that was like, oh my God, we are minted. We've got so much money. Look at this gourmet meal we've made. We've actually got protein here. Yeah. So it was like, and literally since I have not bought a jar of Domia sauce since I've left college because I just can't, I can't even look at it now without oh. feeling, oh, I ate so much of that. And then straight after finishing college, I moved to London and then probably maybe cooked a little bit more, but again, not very venturous. And then I spent another year studying and then I started working as a trainee solicitor and then qualified as a solicitor. So I was working really long hours. So cooking, again, was not part of my life. what kind of things were you eating when you were a solicitor? So I was eating generally like sandwiches for lunch or little ready meals from the supermarket. Again, like ready meals for dinner or just like really quick, maybe, you know, pastas, but maybe getting a little bit more adventurous with a bit of pesto and Mm. just... um, Probably eating a bit more variety of stuff, but not necessarily cooking. Yeah. I just never really had the time or the inclination, yeah. you know, during my 20s to cook. There was far much fun to be had in London. And then um, I got pregnant with Aoife and it was a bit of a shock. A little surprise. A lovely surprise. <laughs> a lovely surprise. Um and then obviously everything changed because suddenly I went from, you know, working these really long hours to this, you know, great social life in London to being a mom at home. Um, but actually thinking back then, even then, I might have been more of a foodie myself, but I wasn't necessarily with her. I went back to work when she was six months old. So literally when she started weaning, I went back to work. I was working long hours. So she had all her meals at the childminders. Okay. And I talk about this in the book, actually, and say how we had a really fantastic childminder who weaned her on all this amazing food. I remember her being about eight or nine months. She was eating curries and stews, wow. like really incredible. She worked really hard, but I didn't really have any part of that process because I was working full time. I love that you outsourced weaning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I do that? <laughs> that sounds really bad now. No, it's great. Just written a cookbook. <laughs> 
But yeah, so I was very removed from the process of weaning my own child. Mm. Um, And then we struggled, like we continued with that until she was about 18 months old. But we struggled with that whole London lifestyle, working child, big mortgage. Mm. And when she was 18 months old, we left and I quit my job and we moved down here to Kent. And then suddenly I was at home with a toddler and I was like oh so what do you guys eat <laughs> um, and she said ice cream <laughs> yeah, everything in like the middle aisle of the uh, supermarket that's sweet and, yeah um and I struggled because I just didn't really know how to, basically I didn't know how to feed my child which yeah. sounds really 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 awful but no. it's like it's the truth I just didn't know what I was doing yeah and then I got pregnant with Finn And I I didn't have like really bad morning sickness, but I had that kind of constant, just ill feeling throughout my pregnancy. And I just didn't want to eat the good stuff. I wanted plain pasta, I wanted cheese, I wanted white toast. Anything beige and carby. Beige, carby, stodgy. We were chatting about, because I've just come out of that phase myself. All I wanted was like toast, cocoa pops. (laughs) Just, I know, I don't know what it is, but oh, it's just that's all you want to eat, and anything that's a bit green or a bit has any kind of flavor, it's like, oh, Oh, no, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so I pretty much had that for nine months, which of course then rubbed off on her because I was at home with her full time and she was taking all her food inspiration and knowledge from me yeah um that's interesting though even though she had been eating curries and all sorts with the yeah. childminder that's really interesting yeah and I did I mean I'm not into like blame game when it comes to food and I always say this to parents just don't blame yourself just like get on the situation and mm-hmm. let's improve their eating if it's a problem but I did kind of blame myself because I thought I just haven't tried and I've just taken for granted that she was an amazing eater Mm. i was chatting to someone recently on the podcast um and she was saying that that guilt feeling sometimes shouldn't be ignored that sometimes you feel guilty because you have done something wrong yeah therefore that's okay and as long as you then address it and make a change absolutely if it inspires you to take some action then that's fine because sometimes we need that jolt to to make a change and that that's what happened with Aoife I just suddenly realized she is such a fussy eater we're really struggling with food you know, I've not helped the situation, let's change. Mm. Um, and then, so that I had an idea of, well, why don't I start putting it online and kind of documenting my journey to how I'm trying to improve her eating and maybe, like, other people might be going through the same thing. Yeah. So pretty much soon after, about six weeks after Finn was born, I kind of just got online and started... Yeah, getting the blog together and... With all that time you had, being a brand new mum of two. <laughs> well, it's funny, it's kind of... It's, I think it's kind of different second time round because first time round I was like that mom didn't know what I was doing. None of my friends were having babies. I was just getting out every day. I was doing all the classes, mm. you know. I think Aoife was at eight weeks old and she was doing baby yoga, yeah, baby swimming. And you I know, looking back now, I'm like, oh, yeah. such an idiot. What was I doing? No, but we all do it. We yeah. all do it. Whereas second time round, I was like, no, I'm just going to stay inside. Um... You know, and I was in a routine because Eve was at nursery at the time. She was three, just coming up to three when Finn was born. So, you know, that routine is great because it gets you up in the morning and dressed and out the door. Mm. But then I'd come home and obviously, especially in those first few months, he'd sleep a lot. Mm. And I kind of, um, I was looking for something as well because I'd given up, you know, quite a hectic, full-on job that was a massive part of my life for so long. I was looking for something else and... You know, I'm not great at uh, 
tidy in my house, we're cleaning and all that stuff. So I'm like, well, maybe I can do something online and yeah. I don't have to clean my bathroom. Yes. Um, so yeah, and it wasn't, you know, I didn't just do it overnight. It took weeks and weeks and weeks to get the blog up because I'd literally do maybe an hour a day or, you know, two one hour slots while Finn was napping. It wasn't like I just put it together overnight. Like it took it took weeks and weeks. What was the journey like in terms of, um, getting your daughter to start trying new foods and how much how much of that kind of you know throwing the plate on the floor and you despairing because you've spent ages making something did you have to go through before you actually started seeing a change yeah I mean there was a lot of that but to be honest there's still a lot of that like she still struggles with and it's funny because if people see her and meet her or we're out for dinner with someone or they're here, they'll always say, she's such a great eater. Well, she is and the things that she likes, yeah. but she still struggles to try new things or something that looks a little bit strange or like she just doesn't like chicken. So anything that has chicken in the name, she's just like not eating it. Yeah. Whereas if you say, oh, it's a sausage, she's there like <laughs> gobbling it up. So it's still a work in progress. Um but yeah, certainly those first few months were difficult because she was three then. She very much, you know, knew her own mind. She was very strong-willed. But it was it was tricky, but it was very slow as well. And I talk about this in the book because I, I have quite a few pages on like tips for fussy eating. And I talk about just make it slow, make it gradual. Don't do this big overnight haul of, you know, or everything is being chucked out and all mm-hmm. the goodness is but you know we've got a habit I think of as adults of doing that yeah, it's like we do oh, like on Monday morning yes, on Monday it's always, it's always Monday yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have a green smoothie and then we're gonna have a quinoa salad and yeah. then we're gonna have buckwheat groats that have been fermented for dinner and that's it nobody's complaining and then yeah of course it doesn't happen so it's like small steps gradual little changes I found would work and just introducing new foods really slowly without too much pressure as well because I think sometimes like we make this food and we put it in front of the kids mm. and we're there okay are you gonna eat it watching oh, them right little bite you're gonna uh, no yeah. bite please and it, it's it's all pressure and it's you know imagine if we were trying to do like trying to do our job and we had someone looking over us we've all probably had a boss that's done that at some stage and it's overwhelming yeah. and you you don't you know you can't function like that with someone constantly watching you looking at you so yeah I'm very much kind of like there's your food let's step back for a little bit and see and especially now with my son that works so much better with just leaving the food and let's see what happens over the next half an hour like Mm. it's not you know you have to eat and you have to eat now we just leave it because Finn's autistic as well so that brings a whole new set of challenges when it comes to food Mm. but also he can't have any kind of pressure on him to eat because he'll just be like no way I'm out of here and he'll leave so mm. we put the food in front of him he might have a little sniff sometimes he pushes the plate away and I just ignore just completely ignore he might leave the room and then 10-15 minutes later suddenly I'll turn around he's sitting there eating his dinner and like and I think from the last few years what I've learned about kids and the psychology of kids and eating and food it's really helped me especially with Finn now because autistic children generally have more of a sensory reaction to food than a typical child but it's not just confined to autistic children a lot of children will have a very strong reaction to like 
the look of food mm. or the taste or how it feels when they pick it up or how it smells and um yeah you kind of have to give them time to process and to like and definitely with Finn that's a it, it it's processing what's in front of him and the fact that he has to eat it yeah and sometimes it's instant and sometimes it takes a half an hour how how much importance do you place on eating as a family because from what you're saying it kind of sounds like you perhaps cook for your kids and pop it down and then walk away um or a lot of people really place a lot of importance on we all eat the same thing together and a lot of the recipes in your in your book you could all eat. It's not like there are kids' recipes yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily want to eat as a meal, you know, as a, as a grown-up. The recipes are all designed so they're entire family food, so for everyone to eat. Because so I know a lot of people are stuck in this rut of making different different dinners for different kids. And, <laughs> and it's, it's really time-consuming. Yeah. And basically, I just don't, you know, nobody has time for making separate dinners. Like, if you, if you want to, that's fine. And sometimes we do. But on the whole, I make one meal. And sometimes I will adapt it a bit for the children. So like I said, Aoife hates chicken. Mm. So I love cooking roast chicken because it's easy to cook. You get a couple of meals out of it. But what I do with hers is I chop it up into some like vegetable rice, put a bit of cheese on top, and that's acceptable to her. But a big piece of roast chicken is not. So it's just about finding ways that everyone can eat the food, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in the exact same format, that it's okay to like chop and change it and Mm. adapt it. But yeah, in terms of like sitting down to eat, we don't really, but again with Finn, we find that quite tricky because I feel with him it again it's a lot of pressure we try a couple of days a week to have kind of like a family meal sitting down at the table but generally we're quite relaxed and you see we've got like the kitchen island with the stools so quite often what will happen is I'm cooking I'll bring the kids in and sit them on the stools as I'm kind of cooking the last few bits and then kind of give them the food and I might stand there and eat as well my husband might come in and eat so we're kind of like eating together but Mm. it mightn't be as formal as you might expect yeah no that's great that obviously works for you I think that's really nice and quite refreshing to hear because it does feel like there is very there's almost pressure on us as parents to you must all sit together as a family unit and And it doesn't always work with with meal times for people as well because another thing I've noticed with my kids is that depending on what time of day you have your main meal often like 6 p.m is not a good time for kids to be eating especially if you've got younger kids because they're tired they've probably been up for 12 hours they've done a full day at school or nursery it's basically an hour before their bedtime it's like us sitting down at like 10 or 11 o'clock to a three-course meal like it's not it's not really it doesn't come natural to them and they're always so hungry when they get back from school or nursery aren't they exactly so it's like for younger kids as well, I say to people that ask me, like, try to front load their food more so that when it gets to dinner, you're not expecting them to eat loads. They might eat a small plate, yeah. but it's not the best time for them to eat this massive dinner. Yeah. Um, so we often eat. And my husband sometimes is like, oh, my God, like, what time is it? It's like 10 to 5, and I'm like, here's dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but it works better for the kids. I find it works a lot better. They they're still a bit more responsive at that stage. They haven't hit, like, the witching hour yet. Mm. So it's like, okay, we can probably just about squeeze in a dinner here. Yeah. And where do you stand on snacks? Do you... Love uh, snacks. You, love Personally, snacks. you personally, love snacks. For, 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 for your a child point of view, love snacks. 
So what kind of snacks do you give your give your kids? Everything and anything. I think snacks, I wrote a whole article on this actually last year and it's been so popular because I think a lot of maybe other advice is coming from don't give your kids snacks or you got to time them exactly so that they're hungry by the time they get to mealtime. And I do agree with that. But a child needs a lot of, you know, a lot of food in comparison wise to an adult. They're growing. They need a lot of energy. They also burn an awful lot quicker. You think like their stomachs are smaller. They can't hold as much food. So they need to eat more often than us. Mm. Um, And also they're just generally busier. You know, they're running around. They're playing. They burn a lot more energy than we do. They need constant top ups. Mm. So I love snacks. Like I just couldn't. I won't leave the house without snacks for the kids. That is generally a good tip, isn't it? Never leave the house without snacks. What kind of things do you give your kids then? Do you make things or do you... Both. So if I have time, I'll make stuff. Or I try to batch make stuff. And again, I talk about this in the book. Like I've got a lot of recipes for things like muffins or bars and stuff that you can batch make that will last a few days or you can even whack in the freezer and then take out another day. Yeah. Um, Because again, you know, I know that not everybody has time to cook every single day. Um, so things like muffins, like oat bars, those kind of things. Um, I then buy kind of oat bars, you know, all those ones you can, yeah, kids, kids cereal bars, yeah. Ray, everybody loves a box of raisins, oh, yeah. uh, cut up fruit and veg. If we're going out for like more than a couple of hours, I'll always get a lunchbox with a few things, a bit of fruit and veg in there. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And when you're making things like muffins and um, like oat bars and things, are you, um, I'm, I'm kind of flicking through your book at the moment to try and find out the answer. Um, do you kind of like try and hide like veg and and fruit and things in it to try and... A little bit. So a, a few of the recipes might have a bit. So there's a muffin recipe in there, carrot and orange, which is like, they're really, really nice. And yeah, they have a bit of carrot, but they wouldn't, you know, they're not five a day kind of <laughs> quantities. Yeah. It's more for the taste. They taste really nice in it. Um, so it's more maybe the main meals that I'd be kind of hiding veggies in yeah the snacks for me are more about um like something in it that will sustain them so right. i love oats i think oats are brilliant you must love oats people got it i <laughs> i'm i'm a Did bit different to oats. Porridge. <laughs> yes and we all wore kilts um, 
I, I don't know to be honest if I ate any more porridge than really? an Irish or English person. See, I just presume you ate porridge five times a day. I mean, you know, we, what we, a stereotype. We had a lot of ready break, you know, growing up. But That's you know, pretty, isn't it? They're just ground <laughs> oats. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love oats because they're just they're so healthy. They're so cheap to buy. Like you can buy a big kilo bag, a value in like value supermarket section for about like forty p. Mm. And there's so much you can do with them. And they're really filling. They're full of fiber. They're a whole grain, so they you know the whole like sugar dip high yeah. it helps with that um so i make a lot of snacks and that's a big that's a big part of um of your recipes that it's not it's all stuff ingredients that you can buy in the supermarket yeah. isn't it and it's not going to be like going to a health food shop or going to some specialist store to buy some random ingredients yeah i think like the the most out there ingredients i have are chia seeds and quinoa which but you can buy. You can buy an Aldi now. So I'm yeah. like, if you can buy it in Aldi, it's mainstream. <laughs> and while you're there, you can pick up a nice lamp. <laughs> I got a pizza oven there last week. No, amazing. I had one disappointing purchase from Aldi, which was a lovely marble table, and then it arrived, it was broken. And when you go onto the website, all the reviews are people saying, it's broken, it's broken, it's broken, it's broken. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, Aldi, you're not so perfect after all. I did buy some marble, like, kind of chopping boards last year, and one of them mm. arrived broken, so I think maybe they're not great. They're there. not great on the marble, so yeah. No. Come on, Aldi, up, <laughs> up your marble game. Um, and how important to you is meal planning when it comes to um, feeding your family? Is that is that quite... Because you've got meal plans in, at yeah. the, in the front of your book, haven't you? I think meal planning is a great way. If you struggle with that like five six o'clock panic and you're like oh god what am I gonna make I don't have anything in oh oh and, and that's the times when you'll just fall back on the same old stuff so if you really want to try to like diversify what everyone's eating just get some new meals in there meal planning is a great way to do because you can do it maybe on a Sunday you don't even have to do it for the full five or seven days just do it for even two or three days that week choose a few meals and then obviously go buy the ingredients or do your online shopping and the food is there it's in the fridge it's in the cupboard and you kind of know so it takes away that panic of mm. what am I going to cook are the kids going to eat it oh I don't know and you can get the kids involved in it as well if they're a bit older you can help get them to help you choose okay well you choose so if you have like two two children you know get each of them to choose a meal that week yeah. that they want to cook maybe you know look on some websites or look through some cookbooks and it's getting them involved in it as well so that like everyone's a little bit excited for dinner time yeah that's really nice i've got, I've got a friend who's got um a big blackboard on her uh, kitchen wall and every week she'll write what's for dinner every night and then that means that her daughter can kind of see it all the time and yeah rather than it being a surprise that tonight is spaghetti bolognese and I don't want that it's like well it's up there you yeah. know you can see what you're having I think that quite often helps with kids just knowing what's coming can absolutely I think a lot of people say and this is true for me as well the kids seem to eat better at school with their school meals than they do at home but I think part of that is that they have like a set menu yeah. and it runs is it like fortnightly yeah or three weekly depending yeah on school. And it, but it's generally the same kind of yeah stuff on a Monday you know and yeah. so they kind of know what they're getting um and that yeah that expectation is a massive part of it I think for children it does ease the um 
like any fear or yeah. anxiety that they might have around mealtime if they already know what they're going to have and if they've been part of choosing it then that's even better yeah. and it's always at schools it's always fish and chips on a Friday always <laughs> always we can't get away from it <laughs> um, so is there anything that you serve up now to your kids that they refuse to eat Oh, Apart yeah, from the chicken. Yeah, well, chickens struggle. Anything green, they really struggle with green veg still. Do you, so do you hide that? Is that how you get that Yeah, into so I hide it. I make kind of like pasta sauces with it in it um, to get it into them. I still try. I still serve it up. I maybe serve like a little bit of broccoli on their plate. It will get pushed back at me. But I think one day you're going to eat that bit of broccoli. And I'm going to put it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Big celebration. Yeah. So it's just about just, again, there's a lot of people that are very anti-blending and blitzing up veg and hiding it. They're like, their kid, your kids are never going to eat it unless they get used to it and they're eating it in its whole form. And I do understand that. But also you're just trying to get as much goodness into your child as possible that, you know, spending five years pushing broccoli back and forth is not, you know, it's it's not really helpful. And so... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I'm like, blitz and blend, but also yeah. give it to them. Yeah, because <laughs> I guess if you never try to offer them the green veg, the broccoli, then actually they're never going to learn to enjoy it and eat it, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. And they'll it's, be out for a, re- at a restaurant when they're 25 going, excuse me, can you blend up my broccoli? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That'll be a killer on a first date, yes. wouldn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> It's funny how much stress and anxiety can exist around mealtimes with kids, isn't it? And how much advice is out there in terms of how you should handle that bit of broccoli that's getting pushed mm-hmm. around the plate. Um, I mean, your your kind of attitude to being quite relaxed about it, yeah. it, that appeals to me. Definitely. And I think it comes from... A lot of people, will, when they message me saying, oh, I'm, I'm really struggling with my child's eating, it's often at... at stage where a child is two or three and they're like oh my child was an amazing baby they ate all this food weaning why have I suddenly got this toddler that's refusing to eat anything and kind of when I started to look into more the psychology around it, it when you think about it, it's that stage in a child's life where they begin to realize that they have a choice that you know they don't have to wear that t-shirt or they don't have to play with that toy they don't have to get into that car seat and they don't have to eat that pasta that's in front of them and they have this like you know at about two two and a half they have this budding sense of independence and they want to have some control over their life Mm -hmm. but obviously they're two they're they're three there's very little they have control over so often what they will do is put that control into food because they can control what they put in their mouth. And once you kind of realise that, it's like, oh, it's almost like a little light bulb thinking, oh, I get it. So this is about control. And if they see you flapping and stressed and, you know, pulling your hair out in front of them, it it worsens it because they realise... You know, this is a game and I'm winning. I'm yeah. winning this game. I'm getting a reaction game. out of my yeah. mum. Mm. And it's really difficult because, I mean, I still sometimes lose my shit. <laughs> because, and, you know, it's hard, but I think on, on, if you can, for the most part, just try to keep calm. If you need to go out into another room and be like, Aah! scream into a pillow. <laughs> yeah, then do. But if you just try to keep calm and almost like ignore them, like I was saying with Finn, he pushes the plate away, I'm like, oh that's fine by me 
and next thing he's back eating it. Now, don't let them realize that it's a tension point, that mm. it's it's um, causing that kind of stress for you. And that's like I think that's a big thing, especially when you've got a toddler that's refusing to eat or refusing a lot of food. Just yeah, just try to ignore. Yeah, that's really good advice. <laughs> so, what's your favorite recipe in your book? Oh, do you want to leaf through really it? Hard. I think in the breakfast section, I have a recipe called fruity pancakes. And actually, I mean, they're nice. I don't particularly love these, but Finn loves them. And okay. for that reason, I like them. Because anytime I say pancakes and he says, because his speech, because he's autistic, his speech is really, really poor. So he says to me, pancakes, pancakes. And Aww. he gets so excited. So I think <laughs> just for the reaction, it might have to be them. Um... Those, I really like those crumble bars, actually. Yeah, they were very nice. Because they're like, kids like them, adults like them. Yeah, and you described how you made them and it sounded actually really easy. It is easy. It is relatively easy. What I think about a... The burger. Mm. Is a burger good? It Melty good. mozzarella beef burger. That is quite good. With that kind of thing, how much sort of technique do you have to have? Because I always imagine making a burger I think in my mind that's going to fall apart no I mean for the burgers the burger recipes in here I do recommend if you've got time to put them in the fridge so once you've made them put them in the fridge for an hour because it like firms up the meat again um because sometimes it, when you make your own burgers and you put them on the pan they do tend to fall apart yeah but if you can put them in the in the fridge even in the freezer for like 20 minutes okay. and it's like the meat like goes like firms back because you imagine especially beef it's got fat in it when it gets warm yes. it all kind of like starts to uh, break down yeah um and when you cool it again it'll all firm up and it'll just keep your burger together top tip yeah but again that's you know only if you've time i know it's difficult if you're making it like on the spot um what else do i really like Oh, the nachos. Oh, they're my good. husband's favourite. So hang on. So you've got, you've got nachos. What, what else goes into that? That looks so amazing. That, so these are kind of like... Because we often consider nachos to be kind of like a bit unhealthy. unhealthy. You know, you go and you have them in the pub yeah. and they'll be like loaded with cheese and you feel rough after eating them. Yeah, you always do. It's that really yeah. heavy stomach feeling, isn't yeah. it, after nachos? So I thought, why do they have to be unhealthy? Because actually when you break down the ingredients, yeah. they're, they're, there's nothing that unhealthy bit in tomato, them a bit of avocado exactly so what i did is i got um you know like tortilla wraps yes. those big tortilla wraps yeah and then you just cut them up into the triangles so you make your own tortilla chip so you're not using like doritos with all that like stuff on them like it's just totally just plain uh flour wraps a little bit of oil put them in the oven and then they crisp up really yeah Amazing. so easy and then you just like make your like beef topping, a um, little bit of like spice in it, depending obviously how spicy you want it to be. Um, and then, so on this one, I have tomatoes, peppers, a um, bit of cheese. Yeah, you can put avocado, you know, lob on the sour cream. Yeah. My husband absolutely loves those. I'm tempted yeah. to make that tonight, actually. It is. They are. And, and look, uh, when you look at the ingredients list, it looks quite long, but. It's stuff like cumin, paprika, you know, it's like a lot of spices that you probably have in your cupboard that you're like, oh, when did I last use those? I tend to buy <laughs> things like cumin and paprika. I tend to buy for like one recipe, like a chili that I'm making. Yeah. And then 
um, I'll only use them again when <laughs> yeah. I'm then making that same recipe six months later. I know, I do that sometimes. I find things in the back. Like when we did up our kitchen last year and I found stuff, oh, I can't even describe, it's so disgusting, like four years out of day. Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> that exact thing happened to me a few months ago when I was doing a bit of a kitchen reorganisation. I, I was finding stuff. I was finding like... You know those baby stock cubes you get, like high yeah. speed. Like my daughter's seven. <laughs> it's been quite a few years since I bought some baby stock cubes. They're probably still a date, though. Fair enough. Probably forever. <laughs> indestructible. Um, okay, listen, Kira. I've got some quick fire questions for you. Um, I think I know the answer to this one. Who made fish fingers or Captain Birdseye? Oh, it just depends. It depends. Do I have to choose one? Well. Have you been known to whack a Captain Bird's Eye fish finger in the oven? Oh, absolutely. And I'm I'm very open about this because I am, you know, at the end of the day, I am a mom as well. I've got two young kids. I've I've got one child with special needs. I run my own business. My husband runs his own business. Life sometimes can get a bit hectic and I am not averse to a bit of freezer tapas from, you know. Freezer tapas. Freezer tapas on busy days. So you're not saying that every single meal you were there cooking from scratch no okay absolutely not like yeah I do like to cook and I like to cook for my kids I like to give them homemade food but they don't eat this stuff three times a day seven days a week okay I feel, I feel a little bit better no. now thank you thank you they're even known to have a bit of Mackey D's every so often oh, oh, the no. shame in fairness <laughs> it's usually my husband usually my husband that um that takes them in fact this is really bad this is a really bad confession Aoife lost her first tooth in a McDonald's cheeseburger. Did, did she find it? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't lost forever. She no, didn't it swallow stuck it. stuck in there. Like that's, yeah. That's quite embarrassing hey, for you. As my a... mum's just written a cookbook, but I've just lost my tooth in a Mackey D's cheeseburger. I love it. Uh, what's your ultimate TV dinner? So if it's like you've got an amazing box set to watch and you want to, you know, have a really amazing dinner in front of it, what's, what do you turn to? Oh, so like homemade or? Whatever. Oh, I think homemade, maybe a really nice curry. Yeah. And like an adult curry, because I do make curries for the kids, but obviously they they have to be quite mild. I yeah. like a bit of spice. Yes, yes, lovely. Um, and finally, what's been your most embarrassing parenting moment? Oh, maybe the McDonald's cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty bad. Did we, were you public about that? Did you go onto like Instagram or anything and talk about it or was it just too I shameful? Did. No, I, I actually did. But yeah, and it was my husband took her and he sent me a picture of cheeseburger in one hand and the oh. uh, little tooth in the other. But See, I did because I am. I'm, like I said, I'm very open about, you know, I'm not, perfect and my kids aren't perfect like we just live a normal life yeah Yeah, one day they're eating chia jam but the next day yeah they're scoffing down a wacky tea i love that a bit of balance that's just you know that's realistic for most of us i did have a really embarrassing mum moment actually a couple weeks ago i i can't remember someone gave my kids these really horrid lollipops and they were like really big and they were in the shape of a hand and they're really disgusting and I think we were in London somewhere and it was probably, it was probably with their grandparents usually, blame grandparents yeah. for the lollipops. Usually and I just threw them in, into the car and then I must have put my coat on top. And then a couple of days later, I was doing the school run, ran out, got my coat, 
did the school run with Aoife, then did the nursery run with Finn, had a full-on 10-minute conversation with Finn's key worker, came out, met my friend, she went, you are right, you know, uh, you got a lollipop stuck to your jacket. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was this big, and it was in the shape of the hand. It was literally like that size. <laughs> it was just stuck there, like a brooch. On the front. Yeah. I love it. That's like amazing. some kind of badge of honour. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty embarrassing. But again, that's pretty embarrassing because you are this, you know, published, you know, you've got your cookbook, you've got your blog, yeah. having a, a sticky sugary lollipop yeah. stuck to your coat. That's not good. No. Not a good advert. But again, I put it on Instagram. Brilliant, Kira. And listen, <laughs> thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. I have really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you very much. And a big thanks to you for tuning in. Do go and check out Kira's book. It is really good. And I'll be back next week with another brilliant guest. So come along and join me then and I'll catch up with you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.